so we're going to be taking a look at the Christmas story. <laughs> this is good. Pastor JB was texting me last night and he was saying, I'm not sure which title we're going to use. <laughs> and I thought, wow, I've got a message prepared. I hope it kind of fits. <laughs> and so we're going to have a good time this morning in the Word of God, in the Bible. You know, Christmas is about celebrating the coming of Christ, the most central and important person in all of history. And we're going to go to Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25, and we're going to read that together. Wow, there's so many decorations here, I can't see the screen. But I'll find a spot here. Maybe I'll have to look this way. There we go. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, this church is really into Christmas. <laughs> I can't even see the screen for the decorations. All right, let's start. Here we go. Uh, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zachariah's division was on duty, he serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteousness to make a ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and have been hit and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, they returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he's shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. What an interesting portion of scripture. 
Turn to somebody and say, that's an interesting portion of Scripture. As we come to this place in the Gospels, I guess I would put it this way. History is ramping up for something and someone great. Jesus was about to appear. Not long from that time in history. In this story, there's all kinds of people that are referred to. There's Herod the king. There's Zacharias, the priest. There's Elizabeth, the wife of the priest. And there's a multitude of people that are praying. And there's also an angel called Gabriel. This is a very, very important time. It's a critical time in history. The Bible tells us concerning John, the law and prophets were until John. And then it says, now the gospel of the kingdom is preached and everyone presses into it. It's like there's a a lull in terms of God really doing amazing things. And we know that there were the 400 silent years and so forth where there isn't a lot of movement that we hear about But now when John comes on the scene, it's like there's a shift into something that is very exciting in history. The law and the prophets were until John. Let's say that together. The law and the prophets were until John. And now the gospel of the kingdom during John's era is preached and everyone is pressing into it. Very exciting time in history. Very exciting time. Now, there's, there's also some tragic things happening here, and we're going to refer to some of this as we, as we go along in the message this morning. <clears throat> there were problems that existed at that time. History without God at work and without God moving has its problems. We need God moving in history. We need God at work in history. God is what makes life exciting. God is what makes history something worthwhile living in. That's where we want to live. We want to live where God is in history. And and during this this, uh, season, as you'll be going into different messages, you'll see that God is very much at work and doing awesome things. However, there were problems during that period of time because God was not in control. History without God or out of God's control has its problems. Opposing God presents even greater problems. Some people oppose God. Some people are against God. Herod during this period of time was a problem. John charged Herod for his unlawful living with a woman that was not really to be his wife, but he took his brother's wife. And so there was an immoral mix into Herod, and of course what the leader of the nation represents is often what's happening in the nation. And John charges him that he is not to be living with his brother's wife. 
John went to prison for this. So there's some real problems going on here. There's some real difficulties going on here. And, uh, and Herod, of course, doesn't particularly like John. And uh, Herodias is not happy with what is happening here. And uh, later, he would command babies to be killed. Now, a lot of wicked things are happening during this, during this season. Worse than that, they have a celebration going on at one time, and the daughter comes in and uh, asks for the head of John the Baptist, and Herod takes it. Very, very sad, very, very sad story. When a person is insecure, they do insane, awful things. When people are away from God, they find themselves, rather than being constructive, they are very, very destructive in life. The contrast is, is the opposite. When we know God, when we're li living and walking with God, life is very secure, and we do the will of God, and all of society is a safe place to be. We need God in the nation. Can you say amen? We, without God in our nation, it's not a safe place. Where, where God is, there is safety. Where God is in charge, and God is in charge of his leaders and those who are in government, it makes such a difference for the people. And so we have a sad story happening here. And uh, this morning, I, I want to say, I don't want to be like Herod. Can you say that with me? I don't want to be like Herod. This man represented that which was wicked, that which was wrong. In, in this story, there is a contrast to Herod. There's a, a righteous couple, the Bible says, that were blameless. Zachariah and Elizabeth, amazing people, righteous and walking in all the commandments of the Lord and walking with God in his will as it related to every part of their lives. The Bible says concerning them that they were barren. They couldn't have a child. How many of you know there's other stories in the Bible that people could not have children? And that's a problem. That's not a blessing. It seems at times that negative things happen to good people, but God will be glorified even in the midst of that because God comes through in the end with this couple. And even though they're going through these difficulties, God shows himself strong. You might be going through a difficulty in your life. But if you will turn to God and you will be where God wants you to be and you'll be in his house, in his temple, and you'll be connected with those who are, are praying, and that was all part of the mix in this story, you'll find that God comes through in the most difficult of circumstances of life. We have known many people over the years who are righteous people, godly people. 
And then you look at their lives and you say, how is it that, you know, they're going through difficult times when, when they're doing what we believe is the will of God and they're walking with God and so forth. As I was preparing this message, I was reminded of a family where, that we knew and my parents were very close friends to them. And they were some of the most righteous people that I knew in my life. Every time we went over to their house, uh, when, we would, when we would conclude the visit, they would, they would always gather their family and our family, and before we left their house, there would be prayer. This is amazing. So that had a huge impact upon me as a, as a young boy. Here there were these godly people. And sometimes we'd gather in a circle and hold hands and pray. On other occasions, everybody would get down on their knees and call upon God in whatever house or household they were. And they had amazing children, very godly children. One of the sons became a college Bible college teacher and a pastor in his life, part of his life. And uh, the, the gals were outstanding, outstanding girls in prayer and just outstanding in their spiritual life. Uh, you know, walking into the church and seeing these gals, I always had this sense that, wow, those, those girls really walk with God. However, even though they were walking in all the commandments of the Lord, like Zacharias and, and Elizabeth, they had their struggles. One of their sons was very, became very rebellious and turned against God. They suffered financially at times. Matter of fact, uh, my parents seemed to have some means, and at times uh, my father would would give money to them because he knew that they were going for, through difficult times. And she, the mother, died at an earlier age. And the father was doing some work, and he was a farmer, and they had an oil barrel, a 45-gallon drum of oil, which had been sitting around for years, and he decided that he was going to cut this open with a, with a torch, not realizing that there was still something in there in terms of fumes, and there was an explosion that took place, like a bomb, and it killed him. You wonder why those kind of things would happen to good people, people that are walking in all the commands of the Lord. And here, this couple in, in the Bible experienced this kind of negative thing in their life, they couldn't have a child. However, the promises of God are still there. And we, we know that beyond some of the difficulties that people face, we know that that family had a great offspring, and there's many wonderful stories that, that could be told, the story that I just told you in my growing up. There were good things that came beyond the tragedies. And, uh, and in the midst of what Zacharias and Elizabeth were facing, there were promises that were going to break forth into 
their lives. And in verse 11 of that chapter, an angel appears. When God is about to appear, angels often appear. That's, that's, that's almost standard with God. Heavenly manifestations. Heaven loves to manifest where there are problems. We'll just trust him. Heaven will manifest. Heaven will come through. There will be a breakthrough. So this angel appears, and uh, this is a, an amazing story because it, there's a heaven thing that is happening here where it seems that there's a, something like, that appears more like hell on earth because of the negative stuff that is happening in their situation. I want to say something this morning. We should look for the little miracles that set the stage for big miracles. Many times we're, we're walking through life and we're facing these difficulties. Maybe it's a, a type of barrenness or difficulty we're facing in life. Keep your eyes open for the little miracles. Thrive. Keep your eyes open for the little movements of God that are signals that God wants to do yet bigger things. I believe this is for you as individuals, and this is for the church as well. And I believe that you are seeing neat little signs, neat little movements that God is at work and he's around because not only is he going to do these little things, but he is going to do yet greater things. Greater things are yet to come. Can you say amen? Look for the little miracles. When heaven is about to visit earth, heaven visits in different ways. And God has a timing for all of this. And we want to watch the signals from heaven. The message of the angel was interesting. When things are not so good, heaven has a message. Heaven always has, has a message. When earth is shouting negative things, heaven is declaring positive things. And here, the message comes, fear not. Oh, that's a good message. Have faith in God. Don't fear. Number two, your prayer is heard. God hears our prayers. That's heaven's message. Maybe you've been hearing other messages like it'll never happen or you have this sense of fear in your life. But I have good news for you. Fear not. Your prayer is heard. As you call out to God, God is hearing. And then in this instance, it says Elizabeth will have a child and call him, call his name John. It means Yahweh has been gracious. And number four, here's more of the outcomes. Many will rejoice at his birth. Number five, he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. Now, th this is really important. It's one thing to be great in the sight of people and to have the accolades of man. But it's another thing to be great in the sight of God. This is most important. John would be the one 
who would prepare the way of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40 prophesied that. Malachi chapter 3 also talks about that. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord. Not everyone born gains this status. You know, when you think of John, he comes into the world as, uh, as a normal human being, but the Bible says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit even in his mother's womb. There's so much God activity, such amazing stuff that's happening around John and all that God purposes in the life of John. However, John, when he appears and he grows up and as a prophet, he's... He's, uh, you know, he's, he's eating, uh, you know, locusts and wild honey, and he's dressed in camel skin. You'd say, well, oh, this guy, you know, he's not, not what we would look at as being successful. But in the sight of God, in the sight of God, he was great. Great man. Something else about John is was he was to take on, he'd, he'd be a Nazarite, and he would not drink strong drink because anointing meant everything. What he drank physically meant so little. And I want to say this morning, that's where the em emphasis should be in our lives our lives should not be involved so much with natural stimulants as supernatural stimuli. Can you say amen? We don't want wine to drive us. We don't want to be drunk with wine, but we truly want to be intoxicated with the Spirit of God. That's the message, I believe. The, more, the anointing was more Im important to John and in the purposes of God than him being intoxicated. Being filled with the Spirit was number one in, in his life. Here's, here's another neat thing, number six concerning John. Many will he turn to the Lord. A great life is not a life that draws attention to itself. It is a life that turns heads toward Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world was the message of John. The message of John was, he must increase, but I must decrease. People pressed into the kingdom by his message of repentance. When we turn away from the old life because of what is offered, it's so much better. Why would you ever want anything less than what is being offered here? John had it right he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. He said, I baptize with water. But he says, there's one that's come, coming after me that's greater than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Wow. What an amazing man. What an amazing message he carried. People were pressing into the kingdom under John's john's ministry a great people a great man a great church is a church that turns people to jesus john while some people 
would have said concerning because he was, you know, he was the greatest. The Bible says he was one of the greatest people that was ever born. But nevertheless, John kept saying and he kept repeating, he says, I am not the one who is to come. I am not the ultimate one. It's Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life that we're really going after here. Amid all of this that had happened, Zacharias is speechless. And then, of course, after a number of months, he's able to speak again. I know, I know there'd be a, there's a lot of ladies that would really like it if their husbands didn't talk. <laughs> Here we go. Elizabeth is in seclusion for six months with child. And then there are some other things that begin to happen. See, God loves to set the stage for the greatest with great. John was great, but greater was yet to come. And you might say, well, you know, God is doing some great things in, in Thrive, or God's doing some great things in my life. But the greatest thing that will happen through it all, all the great stuff, you're going to have great Christmas celebrations and all that, but the greatest thing is when Jesus takes preeminence and when he becomes number one and he is highly exalted in the midst of everything that we are doing. Can you say amen? So John was kind of like the pre-concert before the great entertainer comes. He's kind of a great singer before the singer of all times, Jesus Christ, would come on the scene. Everything and everyone is amateur and comparatively small compared to Jesus. Everything. That's what I want to get to this morning. Because we're ramping up into the Christmas season. And, and when we look at history, we see how things were ramping up for Jesus to appear. Book of Hebrews bears that out. In Hebrews chapter 1, it starts like this God who at sundry times, divers manners, spoken in time past through the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us through his Son, who he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. You know, there are a lot of greats. As you read through the book of Hebrews, it reminds uh, one of that. There were a lot of greats. There, there were angels. Angels are awesome. They are awesome. When they appear, I mean, there's always a sense of fear and awe when an angel appears. And people are, are, are stunned when, you know, when there's this kind, kind of heavenly appearance. They are awesome. But they're not like Jesus. You know, there, there's people referred to in, in, in the whole list of the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, like, like Abel and Enoch. I mean, Enoch was here and then he was not. And he was translated. And, you know, there's all these references to the greats. There is the prophets were great. Noah was great. Built that ark. He was ridiculed, but he, he was right in the end and saved his house. Eight people were saved. What a hero of faith. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, great heroes of faith. Moses, 
this meek man pastored this huge church of, of millions of people, led them out of Egypt to, into, the, into the wilderness, and then, of course, ultimately they got into the promised land. Great people. Rahab, the, she, was a, she was a harlot, but her life was transformed, and then she saved the spies who were going to enter into the land. What an amazing story. Gideon, this, this valiant person. Then Samson. Some people say Samson was a, you know, a, a, a little runt. He was just a, not a big man and appearing to be strong, but when the anointing came on him, he carried away the gates of a city. Amazing. And people like Jephthah and David, and the list goes on. All of these great, God spoke in times past by the prophets, but in this last day, he's spoken unto us by his son, who he has appointed heir. We get into the Christmas season. That's where the focus is, really. It's on the son who comes into the world. He is the son of God. He's very God. Yes, very man, but also very, very God. He is the great I am and so forth. It seems a principle that God likes to do small miracles leading up to big ones. History has, has had its little heroes rise to extol the great hero. What problems are you facing? Are you facing extremities, complexities, things bigger than we can solve? And that's, that's kind of where it was at. It was an oppressive thing that was happening in history. Problems were there. But the promise was appearing. Promises here. Promises bigger than the problems. We see the hand of God. There is hope. There's hope for the problems that you face in your life because Jesus came. See, God is at work. You might be here this morning and say, who is God? Is there such a, is there such a person as God? Is there a God? Is there such a being? I want to say to you, God is at work. Open your eyes. Open your ears. In these days, in the Christmas season, maybe when you, after the rush gets over and you have those, those days where you can sit back and just contemplate a little bit somewhere along the line, open your eyes to God. Open your heart to God. Open your ears. Open your spiritual ears and hear what God is saying. Back then, the overarching message was, was great had come. The one greater is yet to come. John was great, but one greater was yet to come. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Man's most complex problem is sin. It's the most threatening, horrifying thing because the Bible says the soul that sins will die. But Jesus came that we might have life. That's why John said, he must increase. I must decrease. Upholding and embracing 
of Jesus as Lord is the greatest thing that can happen to us and our world. This is what the Christmas season is about. Christmas season is about prior to him, there were small saviors, the heroes of faith. I call them small saviors. They saved Israel. They saved individuals in certain situations. However, Jesus is the great Savior. There's none like him. None that even compares. None, none that's even close to him. There's great people like John. But then there's the great I am, Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's people to be admired on this earth. You know, there are great people. There is greatness in man. But there's none that is as great as Jesus. Because he is to be worshipped as Lord. He is to be worshipped as God. You know, there are workers of miracles. I've seen many miracles over, over my lifetime at the hands of miracle workers. Thank God for miracle workers. I do not deny miracle workers that they are around. But there is the miracle worker, the ultimate miracle worker whose name is Jesus. And that's who's going to break forth in this season. John's birth was a great birth to celebrate. But his birth, while he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb, there's none like Jesus because he was born of a virgin. His father was God. Amazing. Amazing. We have our heroes of faith that we've referred to from the book of Hebrews. But then we have Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. That's a long distance ahead of any of the heroes. We have great leaders in the Bible and in history. But then there is the great leader, Jesus. There were those who existed with some sense of strength. You take Samson, the things that he did, had great strength. John had great strength and great anointing. But none of these were the self-existent ones. Jesus is the one who is the I am, and he is self-existent. Some exist to do certain great things. The, others, the other one, Jesus Christ, existed before anything existed. Great people are powerful, but Jesus is all-powerful. There are people who are wise, but Jesus is called the all-wise God. There are some who deliver some. 
But Jesus is a deliverer to all. Let's stand and give him a shout of praise. Let's stand to our feet. Give him a shout of praise, Thrive. Pastor, you come. Give Jesus a shout of praise. He is great. I want to thank Pastor Tim for a powerful message. I, I don't know about you, but I hope you were proactive church today and you took some good notes. I, I took some good notes. I know, if, uh, I know if you did, but I, I, I have a whole bunch of stuff that came from the message today that resonated with me, and I tried to take good notes. One was when Pastor Sim said, heaven loves to manifest where there are problems on earth. That's really good. Another one, he said, look for the little miracles that are setting the stage for the big miracles. Uh, he also said, you know, heaven always has a message. When earth is complaining hopelessly, heaven is proclaiming hope. Uh, another one is, you know, it's one thing to be great in the sight of people, but it's so much greater to be great in the sight of the Lord. Uh, don't let wine drive you, but be driven by the Holy Spirit. And then a great life is not one that turns people to himself. It's one that turns heads to Jesus. A great church is a church that turns heads to Jesus. And that God loves to set the stage for the greatest with someone great. You know, I, I wanted to just add one last thing uh, to what Pastor Tim said. What a powerful message this morning. And I, I was just thinking about Zechariah and Elizabeth, Zach and Liz, and, and they're a married couple, they've been married for a long time. They've always wanted to have a baby, but they never, they never ever could, even though they were blameless. Even though the Bible says they met, you know, a lot of God's requirements, they were good people to the world's eyes. They were, you know, obedient to God in the world's eyes, and yet they were barren. And I'm sure there were parts of them throughout the years that thought, God, are we doing something wrong? Or God, what's wrong? Like, why did this happen to us? Why now? Why not? Why? Why not us be parents? I thought we'd be great parents. Why not? You no. Know, why not give us a baby? And and I, I want you to know today, just like what Pastor Tim said, is that whenever God allows a problem in your life, it's not because He's there to shame you. It's not because He's there to punish you. It's because He's writing a greater story with your life. Amen. Zach and Liz, oh come on, give Jesus a big hand in this place right now. Zach and Liz, they were barren, but God had a greater plan. And when, when, when Elizabeth's womb was barren, God blessed them in the end with a son so that they could take away their disgrace. And you know, I want to tell you this today in the same way, is that the Bible says when we were spiritually barren, when we were empty spiritually, when we had no way of reaching God, God sent us a son to take away our disgrace. His name is Jesus Christ. Give Jesus a big hand. Give your heavenly Father a praise in this place. And so it's with that in mind that with every head bowed and with every eye closed, we're gonna respond to the one who's writing a greater story with your life. We're gonna respond to the one who's allowed that challenge or allowed that problem in your life, not because he's cruel, but he wants to write a greater story with your life. He wants to not give you shame. He wants to take away your shame. He doesn't want to take, he doesn't want to give you disgrace. He wants to take away your disgrace. And he did that through Jesus. And if that's you today, and you realize today that that problem you're going through is not God's punishment. It's God's plan to do something even greater that you could not imagine. If that's you, why don't you raise your hand to heaven right now? We're going to pray together right now. Why just from your heart, in your own words, just start talking to God right now. Don't worry about what your neighbor's doing or saying. You just start responding to God. 
God and start praising him for who he is. Start talking to God about what you learned this morning. Start talking to God about how great he is. Just do that right now, church, and I'll lead you in prayer in just a second. Just start talking to God on your own. Start talking to God on your own. In your own words, from your heart. Start talking to God this morning. Start talking to God this morning. He loves you. He's listening. He's with you right now. He's not being cruel. He's writing a greater story. He's not being mean. He's writing a greater story. He's not indifferent. He cares so much because he's writing a greater story. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? You can say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you are writing a greater story with the challenge that's in front of me. That you don't bring it into my life to be cruel or because you don't care. It's because you have a greater story to write in and through my life. Thank you for not being the God who gives me disgrace, but you are the God who takes away my disgrace. Thank you that just as you gave Zechariah and Elizabeth a son, thank you that you've given me your son to take away my disgrace. I thank you that because of this son, my life is never the same and the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you give Jesus some praise in this place? He's the greatest one of all.